the old world is ending, and we have the opportunity to rethink everything. This is a show about the structural problems in our world and the real solutions that we have today to transition from an apocalyptic storm of war, scarcity, and ecological collapse into a collaborative and sustainable futuristic society that serves all life. You may think it's an impossible dream, but the alternative is an inevitable nightmare. We're your hosts, Zachary Marlowe, Matt Holton, and Amanda Smith. And together, when we can move past this economic absurdity to come together and actualize our collective potential to create something completely new, we are Moneyless Society. Profit. It's the fuel to our fire, the wheel to our cart. It's the dictating force that literally gives and takes life all over the world. Our whole culture is religiously devoted to the pursuit of profit, gaining more than you give in an endless cycle of accumulation that will never be satisfied. Millions go sick and die every year because healthcare and the basics of life are for-profit industries. The rampancy of corporate greed is obvious. It's a cliche. But the causal mechanism of profit itself that motivates them is ignored and unquestioned as the innumerable solutions to our problems that we have already or could develop in a flash aren't pursued because they aren't profitable. As GDP goes up, our health and happiness decline with the well-being of the whole planet, yet we keep driving this wheel forward, never questioning it, assuming this isn't just the best way, it's the only way. Our whole society is based around this central measure of worth. If it can't make a profit, then it has no value. So ending homelessness, feeding the hungry, healing the needy, fixing our ruined earth don't happen because they will never be profitable while war and destruction, fossil fuel addiction and slavery go on because they make big profits. Our guest today is Nikhil Kulkarni, an Indian economist living in Germany who reached out to us with a model he'd like to share that he says can break this attachment to profit altogether and to infuse our economic system with spiritual principles of purpose and devotion. Today we have Nikhil coming to us from Frankfurt, Germany. He reached out to Moneyless Society and our email to let us know that he has constructed a blueprint for systems level change. And he calls that blueprint the zero profit model. So Nikhil, can you tell us from the get go what that zero profit model title is implying like what is what is all of that entail and i know that's going to be hard because i looked at your blueprint and it's extensive you seem to have thought of everything from the psychological effects the ecological effects the economic effects like just spill it spill the tea for us what's it all about i think the title was chosen to convey immediately what the idea is and uh the word chosen zero profit i would just like describe it as a business model which you used to start your business and this has a long-term effect i feel and uh yeah can change i feel it has the power to change bring change in our economic system but yeah it's just a description of a business model which is so simple and so easy to understand yet i would like to just tell you the power of it yeah so is so the title of it is zero profit um can you tell us like how, how does a business model work exactly with with there being zero profit so the misconception that usually first comes to people is if zero if it's zero profit how will we how will you survive the i then say it's not zero salary you know everyone makes every company gives salaries to its employees pays its rent whatever it has to pay it pays and on top of it makes profit to expand into newer countries or newer 
places. So profit is something you make on top of providing all the basic things uh, for all your employees and stuff. So you pay all the market prices in your business, like for your staff, uh, for the rent and everything. But the only thing is whatever you make on top of it, the profit, you just give it back to people in, I don't know, in whichever ways you can think of, maybe through a mobile app, refunding them. These are other technicalities, but the core process of a model, like how will it survive is not, I mean, it's a misconception because I think it will survive. Sounds like it's a machine of investment rather than a machine for hoarding and creating class stratification and gaps between income. Uh, but I'd be right to say that like in trying to envision it in contrast to the capitalist machine where we know that the working class produces the labor that produces the income that gives the ruling class their power over us. Instead, this system would produce in the same way, but at that last step where the income is drawn out, it's not deposited into the pockets of individuals. It's reinvested into the society and the, the system to keep it yeah. running, to keep yeah, paying people I, so they can keep buying goods so they can keep living. One part of it is, I mean, I would agree with it. Uh, and the second part, not, not so much, but if to come to the first part where I agree is in a capitalistic model, the profits go to the owners or the top few percent, like who hold all the shares or stuff like that. And then the, there's another model, which is worker cooperatives, where the profit is shared among uh, the workers itself. What I'm saying is just a third model, which is like the profits go to the customers. So it's just a it's just a different type of distribution of profits. If we see the long-term effects of it, yes, you are right. One of the other thing is, yes, people have more money with them and stuff like this. But I think the real effect of it is in the way I would like to bring in price mechanism here works. So how prices work is closely related to how you distribute profits. If you want to extract profit out of people, then whatever is in demand, you would actually charge higher for it, right? But on the other side, if people get back all the profit, so even if you charge higher, you just have to give back the profit. So my point being that prices behave very differently when you follow such a model. And this breaks a very core mechanism of the economic system, which is a price mechanism. It's a concept written by Frederick Hayek. I think he's a, he's a famous Austrian economist. So it is a very important or essential component of any economic system, the, uh, the way the prices function. I'm for a moneyless society, but I know how important role a number, number plays in this society. So when prices increase, uh, Frederick Hayek is right to say that it gives an indication to everyone in the economic system that this thing is in demand. And we as humans put our energies into fulfilling that demand. Let's say the price of rice increases or whatever you eat, bread, stuff increases. And then we it is an indication to the whole world or the system that it is, it is a scarce good. And we all want to invest or farmers want to invest in that particular crop or something like this. It's an indication and it has knowledge inherent in it. So there is value in price mechanism. The only difference is like we kind of centralized it with one unit, which is money. And it breaks a crucial thing. The price me uh, mechanism, which is an important component of the system is kind of reversed in a zero profit model. 
thinking from the perspective of the layman, okay, you know, okay. uh, your average person on the okay, street okay. who knows nothing about, you know, okay, cool. economics or who hasn't studied any of these people's names. Cool. Uh, could you just explain this model and how it works to me yeah. as if I'm just some Joe on the street? Yeah, yeah. Oh, what, profitless model? What, is, what does that mean? Uh, you know, well, you're not going to make any profit. You're going to go under, yeah. you know, I think, just to, to, not maybe, to, maybe not to that person, but, you know, to the average person. How would you explain this system? Yeah. And uh, how we get there? Yeah, thanks, Marlo. I think yeah, I was just going to uh, head into uh, technicalities, but yeah, this is a, a good place to start, I guess. So I always talk about it in a food system. So let's talk uh, about a supermarket or a grocery shop that you start. So how would it function? Is your let's say legally it's registered as a nonprofit? Okay, so you're not a private uh, registered company, you're a nonprofit, but you're still a grocery shop and uh, you sell stuff. And then you see that after a month, uh, you paid all of your expenses, you kept something for yourself and you paid your staff the market price that you hired him for. And then you see that, okay, we made this much of profit. And now you just give it back to people. I mean, that's how simple it is but yeah i mean in germany we have apps that we, we use with supermarkets so when we go to a supermarket you get offers in the app similarly maybe you can have a mechanism to just give it give refunds to people via the app so what it's just a simple store which just gives back profit to you if they make profit of it of you now the effects of it is you would like to shop there because it is cheaper compared to other things. So more people come to you and the shop acts as a, you know, a marketing place for you. And people will be curious, why are you giving them back money? And then you can tell what profit is doing to this world. So it's, it's a place where people also get educated. So people come in huge numbers because you are offering the lowest price and you are being loyal and ethical. These are values which attract people. It's basic attraction. Humanity gets attracted to loyalty, honesty, and stuff like this. Uh, and then, I mean, I would say honesty, uh, uh, that's what I meant. So then people come in and then you tell them you have all the marketing material in the world. As you know, the Facebook page that you created, the thing that is happening to this world, all the documentaries point to it, every problem that you look at it, the profit making is always behind it. And of course, behind profit making is money itself. Uh, that is the whole reason why we uh, want to make more and more profit because money is so powerful uh, one centralized unit so my point is you have this whole marketing material where you can educate people and then they will keep supporting you maybe people will volunteer for you and you grow big as an organization and then to answer your question it is as simple as starting a simple grocery store or a supermarket and i specifically target the food sector only because i think if you change the food sector everything else changes i'm i'm cu i'm curious so we're um so with this no profit model, what, shh, be quiet, buddy. With this no profit model, what um, incentive is there for people to kind of start this model up? You know, I mean, if, if you got a business owner uh, or, you know, an, an entrepreneur and, they, and they're like, okay, well, you know, we want to start a business and make some money, uh, you know, support ourselves and our family and better our community. Um, I mean, what, I mean, I get that, that it's a, you know, a, a model that essentially is trying to, you know, um, lessen inequality and uh you know give people give more money back to the consumers and things like that what's in it for what's in it for the entrepreneur what what incentive does the business owner have to do this 
Real quick, Matt, can you just introduce your little co-host there? So this the, is Theo. Because there's the no way, video, we can't son. see what's going on there. He's a handful. Today's the 5th of July, which is an observed holiday. So that means that there's no daycare today. And I didn't realize this, uh, you know, and, and when we <laughs> when we booked this show here. So so he, he loves to participate in things like this. <laughs> That's okay. So he's making an important contribution. He's keeping us, uh, right. our spirits light. Moneyless all-stars, all children. So anyway, so yeah, so what's in it? What's in it for the business owner if there's no profit? Uh, let's say what let, I'm just trying to inquire myself for my motivations. Uh, my motivations to start such a thing, even though I'm in a well-paying job, even though I was in a well-paid job in India and all that is, of course, at one point, money stops being a big motivator for you. I feel one of a real human need is to contribute to solving problems, right? And if I just get paid enough to have food, just the basic necessities like, yeah, pay rent or all the basic stuff. And sometimes I can be a minimalist. Uh, that is my extreme, but maybe your extremes are different. But whatever is basic for you, as long as that is served, my greater happiness is in, you know, uh, working for a purpose. And as I think there's a book called, uh, by Daniel Pink, I guess, I don't know if it's, it's called Drive. And he also, the research also points to this point that, yeah, money stops being a motivator after a certain point and it's, and there's a greater joy in doing uh, these things. And on top of that, this business, in my strong opinion, would flourish because I mean, like more and pe more people would come to you and it would be, you would have more satisfactory meetings with people, like more honest uh, dealings because people know that you're not there to rob them. Great. Can you just expound on what you were saying about um, the the, mo the motivating value of money and drive? I actually just ordered that book um, by Daniel Pink. Um, can you talk about what what his conclusions are and and more about that about your sort of views on money as a motivator? I mean, I, I think it's it's continually important here for us to vindicate the premise that you know money is not good because so many people in this world that's the weirdest that's the that's the most sacrosanct even blasphemous statement you can make. Oh, money's not good. Well, I mean, I want money. I, you know, I like money. Money's great. It lets me buy food, etc. It is also really natural that everyone loves money. So I, because it is naturally the most we have designed, the system has been designed such that through money, you can get everything, right? From sex to food to everything that you need. And therefore, naturally, everyone is attracted to this stuff that we created. Uh, which didn't even exist, but but this infinite greed for something versus the real human need to maybe do something that that was the dilemma I had in my own life. So I can speak about my own life because yeah, my parents were well off. Uh, they worked in real uh, good jobs, which they gave us a, gave me a good life and financially uh, stable. I didn't I never had to worry about it. And then I joined a job where I, I also it was really well paying and I never had to worry. And then when when I never had to worry, it never made I mean sense to me to run after it. And I was, I, I don't know, yeah, I, I could say from, maybe it's coming from a point of privilege. There are people who struggle, they have financial struggles, they are in the rat race to make end meet. And of course it is, you can, it would be cruel to tell them that, hey, hey money doesn't matter. So yeah, it does matter. But after, after a while, you begin to really question what was all this thing happening in the world? Why are we just madly, I mean, madly running after things which don't even maybe 
fine. I, I don't even value it. Like presently, I would like to disclose not the name of my company, but I work for a mattress uh, selling company. Do I believe in it? <laughs> no. <laughs> so it's just, I don't know, somehow, uh, yeah, I, I don't find any meaning. So I, I just, yeah, there are a lot of factors. You can ask me, you can tell me, hey, this guy doesn't mean what he's really speaking. But yeah, there are, are tens of other factors why I'm here, like the societal acceptance of something that, okay, you being unemployed is not acceptable or you need to really be doing, doing something. Your parents think that you need to have a job and all that. So tens of other thousands of factors that I can justify my position by. But my point is, it is now I'm just trying to find and a way just to kickstart what I want. And this is a way of finding meaning for me that takes higher importance than, and I see this mad run for money, which is not doing any good to the planet either. So more so that I'm against it. Well, you answered one of my burning questions, which was what ultimately motivated you to put so much time and energy into these extensive blueprints and designs in your thesis. Uh, to make an impact on the world, essentially. And it seems you summed it up to a search for fulfillment. And that's that's completely valid. I think that's what we're all missing, obviously, in these, as Marlo would say, nonsensical, irrational, um, lifeless positions we've been given, or as David Graeber would say, bullshit jobs that perpetuate the system. So I'll just go on to my next question, which is, uh, you know, and in, in all of this information you've given us today, I I detect hints of like Marxism and socialism. And I want to know if those were any influence in, in your design uh, or just kind of where, where did you start? Where, where was your center in, in building up uh, with, with your with your general purpose? This is yeah, this is something close to my heart and it goes deep a bit. So, yes, I mean, to go backwards. Marxism and socialism, definitely these works attracted me, but it was not the starting point, but it attracted me. And that was one of the reasons I chose to do my master's or I wanted to study business or MBA just to understand the economic system in Germany rather than in the US, though my sister lives in the US because I didn't want a capitalistic perspective uh, on the economy. I wanted a different perspective and I started hunting for courses courses in Germany, uh, I got rejected twice or thrice in an economic school, just because I come from a mechanical, mechanical engineering background. So no one wanted to admit, give me an admit, because I wanted to really study and put these th new theories out. As you saw that I also wrote a master thesis in on this topic. So I was really motivated to put some new theories out there. That was the reason I'm in Germany. But yeah, if you really ask me, where did it start from? It's actually comes from a really personal spiritual journey that, uh, yeah, that I go through. This is uh, linked to meditation. So when I meditate, I mean, I did this meditation course and it helped me with some of my personal problems. Uh, like I had anxiety issues and stuff like that. And the way the technique i thought if i after this helped me i thought if meditation is what buddha says that it it liberates you out of this system that you're stuck in which is the human uh, bondage or human body system because enlightenment or liberation is considered to be freeing yourself or your spiritual nature or soul out of this uh, system that you kind of are trapped in if, if that is so powerful that you can 
change a system like a human system out or something like this i thought the same ideas can be applied to economic system which is like so recently created compared to how complex a human uh, body is or a human mechanism is so i thought okay what could be the similarities and i think the similarities were pretty i mean they sat neatly so in meditation basically if i may summarize it quickly is the technique that i do is just to observe things that come into you like the sensations that you feel and just let them go like you realize that these things come and go so in an economic system which is made up of businesses also like there are things that come and go which is basically money which flows in flows out so in meditation we are asked to let go of the cravings so we let's say we crave for something you are asked to let go of it you hate something let's say pain you are asked to even accept it and let go of it so similarly in an economic system a business is always craving for profit in the present capitalistic system or in any yeah it's in a money based system i would say every person or every business is craving for money more and more money that is profits so a meditation in an economic system would be something that you let go of so i just started from this line of thought okay what happens if we let go if a business exists that lets go of profit and slowly i found that okay the price mechanism the prices get cheaper and what does that result in people more more people come in then what does that result in more prices decrease okay then you are giving back money so people get curious and then they ask you why you are doing it and all this chain of events that uh, are linked to it and yeah slowly if i draw the line yeah there comes a point where this new metric starts to evolve uh, beside money and it will take over i feel this is the uh, this is the territory and uh, when you sent the the sort of description of your background this is really what struck me and what i what i most wanted to talk about because i too am motivated to be on this path not because of a an, an education in marxism or an economic you know uh, background but because this is a spiritual journey this is a spiritual attainment it's a spiritual path it's the path all of us are on this path to improvement to awareness to actualize to uh, come into our true nature and, and recognize our true self. And this economic paradigm, it's an, it's an addiction. It's a craving, an all-consuming mental state that must be dissolved. And I think Vipassana, which is the, the, the sort of meditation that, uh, yeah. that you uh, mentioned in your, in your blurb is, is something I know quite a lot about. Um, I practice it, you know, to, to an extent, my own self. It's about, you know, not just like, oh, om, thinking nothing. It, you know, a lot of people have a very, you know, <laughs> crude understanding of what meditation is. Even people who teach meditation, a lot of them don't really know what it is. It's not just about emptying your head. It's about uh, being mindful. Every thought that comes through your head, recognizing, oh, that's just a thought. That's not me. That's not everything. So we need money. We, you know, we need food to survive. We need to meet our needs. But if, if we can slow the mind down, to its sort of idle state and just realize all of those things, they're not us. That's not me. That's not who I am totally. That's a thought that's going through my head. So, you know, you may have this un uncontrollable desire. And many of us, because we are in this perpetually reactive mode, because we are in a constant state of scarcity and need, and even when we're not, our media climate and advertising and marketing and all of these mechanisms of our culture, these coercive mechanisms make us think, I need that. I'm not going to be happy until I have that. 
And in the money, money system, you'll never be happy. Truly, you can never be satisfied. Even, if, even somebody like Donald Trump, he's not satisfied because he needs more. No matter what, he needs more. He needs to grow and expand. So I think this, this, this uh, vision of looking at our economy in terms of um, a meditation or in terms of a, uh, a mindful practice, applying that to businesses, to corporations, which are people, you know, <laughs> legally speaking, corporations are people and, and we need to meditate. So I want to ask you uh, a, a term that, that arises in Buddhism and it's, uh, I'd, like, I'd like you to define it if you can and um, because it's something I've been thinking about a lot, a lot and that's interdependence. So I will just quote someone that I heard and that comes to my mind first. So the guy said, once you realize that whatever the trees breathe out, you breathe in and whatever you breathe out, the trees breathe in and you realize that half of your breathing apparatus is hanging out there in the form of trees. This is interdependence. And you just realize that you're all interconnected, I would say. This union that you're not just this one self, I mean, you think that you are just this being in this body, but more, you're much more than that. And this is one pers- one particular individual experience, which is unique that you're having, but you're having such many unique experiences through different. Yes, I, I've been thinking about this constantly because yesterday was Independence Day and that's the whole American attitude is independence, independence. I'm independent. I'm financially independent. I'm an individual. I'm rugged. You know, I, I don't need anybody. I don't need anything. And that's what money allows you to do. I don't need you. I got money. I don't need anything. I, my needs are met. They're in my wallet. And I, I just think that is that is the idea really deeper than anything, deeper than capitalism, which is a manifestation of that separateness, that that feeling of I don't need nature. I'm better than nature. I'm separate from it, which is completely absurd because exactly like you just said, we need the air to breathe. You know, we need, we literally rely on other life forms to exist. We can't exist in a vacuum, you know? And, and I think going to space really shows how absurd it is. The idea that we could be on our own, that we can exist out there, you know, it, it, seeing people in, you know, we need, we need this, this suit that gives us our oxygen. And, you know, we, 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 in this country in America, especially are so disconnected from each other, even as people. And I think it, it, our business relationships epitomize that, that we're always trying to get one over on somebody. We're always trying to gain something off of somebody and there's no sense of equilibrium. Yeah. So here comes the point when you said we are always trying to gain something of somebody, that's what we're going to, I mean, coming back to the topic, that's why I connected that the zero profit model, when once you start showing or living or conducting business in a way where you give profit back to people, you're just showing very clearly, very transparently and honestly that you're not here to make something off of someone. So you will, of course, want to live and provide these services, but you're not here to make as much as possible from people. You're not here to do that. So this brings a different kind of connect. Uh, yeah, you won't. You don't feel that everybody is out there to rob me, and you are. I, I just want to stay away and in, independent. I have nothing to do with anybody or something like that. That feeling that we have kind of dissolves in such a system. I would feel, and more humane things come out, or more spiritual things, if you may call, uh, come into practice. I would say. So I think in keeping with all, all of these themes and, and with my sort of earlier sort of qualms with your sort of model, which I think is a good model. I think it's if if we move away from profit from, you know, managers and uh, CEOs and people like that sucking more and more and more and more money 
for their services, you know, and workers getting less and less and less and less. If, if we really invert things and make it so that we're, we're on an even plane and, and, uh, shift the sort of excess that comes, comes through all business transactions into making things cheaper to the point where they're almost free. And I, but I, I think my, my only qualm there is what goes to the excess because I see consumers, I see the consumer as like one of those thoughts, those stray thoughts in, in, in the meditator's head. You know, when you're meditating and you have this nagging thought, you can't get your mind to stop thinking. You have this thought that is repetitive. I think most of us, when we're in a state of consumption, when we're hungry or whatever, we're not really thinking. We're not really connected to that uh, that state. And I don't think we can when we are in a state of consumption that no consumer, there's no way to consciously consume, you know? I mean, there's a way to make, if you're, if you're like having a potluck dinner and you're, everybody's cooking and everybody does, you know, one person does the dishes, that's a totally different thing. But in this disconnected, separated way where, you know, you have these consumers that are floating around like these stray thoughts, they don't have a will, you know, they're not connected to their, their deeper self. They're not really uh, consuming intentionally. And especially poor people, they can't really think about, you know, oh, I'm going to consume in the most ethical way. So many people are so constrained. They're so stressed out that they have to buy what's cheapest. That's it. That's all they can do. And even if they have a little more money, they can't, they can't delay gratification to, to the point where they can see the value to the long-term value in something that is more sustainable or ethical. The power of the idea is that, yeah, it has a positive feedback loop that more and more people come. Those who are conscious people also come. Those who are just looking for cheap stuff, which is, I would say, 90% of the people because, or 99 because not many are, yeah, I don't know. That's my opinion, but yeah. I was curious too. I know we we were we mentioned cooperatives uh, a little bit earlier, and I was curious. So how how does your model differ from say? Because uh, I know there's there's several different types of cooperatives. Um, I know I know your your model differs from a worker cooperative in the sense that the workers aren't really the ones that are owning the business. Uh, it would it sounds like it would still be just like a, a single business owner. Um, I mean, is, is that kind of, is that the, the majority of where the difference lies in this is that there would still be a single business owner, but the profits are just going back to the community, to the consumers, essentially, because I mean, in a con consumer cooperative, um, you know, some, you have similar dynamics, I guess, but the consumers are technically, um, you know, part owners or members of the company at that point. I'm not exactly, it kind of depends on what the business structure is. You know, I think REI is a pretty popular consumer cooperative. There's, there's a few others out there that are pretty successful. Um, just kind of curious, like what the difference is between what you're talking about with your zero profit model and, and um, you know, various types of cooperatives really. I think you bring an interesting point, which is, yeah, I first thought, I mean, it can be anything. It doesn't need to be a worker-owned business, which, I mean, it uh, it can be owned by the people, but still the profits can be given back to consumers, which makes it a consumer cooperative, I guess. But I don't have any strong, uh, I mean, at least in my mind, it doesn't exist. Yeah, it can be owned like by me. Or like an organization, which is like a legally registered nonprofit entity, can own it, and uh, it can just run it because I see no difference. Uh, like this, the idea remains the same that you just give back, and maybe it is more scalable even to think of it like this, like a capitalistic model. But the only difference being the profits are given back to consumers instead of complicating it by okay, everyone should own the business and stuff like this, and maybe it's just a easier model which can scale up faster than bringing in all these hurdles 
and making it a consumer cooperative with a membership in it and all this stuff. So it's just a simple replicable model. Yeah, I like it. And I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, I'm curious, have you seen anybody uh, out there yet that uh, is testing this model or that, uh, that has already is already putting this model into place? Uh, did you read my, uh, I mean, ebook, uh, The Blueprint for a Beautiful World? In that I put, maybe if you're not, but I put a small link where I found this old lady and I was surprised, like, what? She is just doing exactly what I imagined. And this old lady, like she is 85 years old and she's in all Indian newspapers and I think a year ago. And her name, popularly people call her, she's called Idli Amma. Idli is the name of the dish that we have in India. Idli is a breakfast dish. Amma means mother. So it's like Idli Amma is her name. People sweetly call her that, fondly call her that. So why she became famous is... She sells these things just for a rupee, which is like a damn low cost in India, just for a rupee. And she actually used to sell it for half a rupee like uh, 10 years ago, but she now sells it for one rupee because inflation is, uh, I mean, it grew a lot. And the thing is, in her interviews, she's so humble and she just says, I just need only this much to survive. So why would I make more? And a lot of people, I mean, come and her story became real famous that she at this old age of 85 years still makes food and just gives it for just a rupee which is no one can even imagine that this can be done and she is sustainable she's not she's not taking charity and anything she's just sustainable simple business who takes what she needs she's not craving for great to live in a big bungalow or to buy cars or something the simplicity is what astonishes people attracted the great businessman Anand Mahindra in India who was like he went and ate at a small tiny humble shop and he praised her so this this story has gone viral I'm just telling you that humanity or doing humane things which are really what we are really meant like in a spiritual way I don't know how to explain it but these will go viral like if you just stick to the things that really matter to us you start it run it sustainably the only thing is just give profits back and then see the impact it will have and i i don't know i'm convinced of it but somehow maybe i was i was i wanted to ask you guys maybe some support from your side just for me to kick start it some way i will try to devote whatever i can and yeah, I'm willing to change my life. Well, I think yeah. my, my I, I think I definitely am, am in support of a zero profit model. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I think naturally, if you take out this extractive element of it, and you know, and and also restructure the business so that, you know, this uh, inequality of CEO to worker pay is also drastically addressed. I mean, I, I don't know why I'm thinking about this. But the the uh, the pirate ships, had a, a much more um, equitable business model or, uh, you know, worker to CEO pay than, uh, than a lot of companies do. Like like the, the captain of the ship would only make like, you know, 1.5 or twice as much booty as the other pirates in the ship. So these, these CEOs today that make like 400% more than everybody else in their operation are literally worse than a pirate. So I, I think really my qualm there is, is where that, uh, so where those savings are passed on to, I think passing them directly onto the consumer, although I like the idea of like, just give people money that they can, you know, do what they want with their community. I think investing more into community forms, forms of true community is really the only way that a model like this could work because you are facing 
well, I was just going to say you're facing you're facing the competition and the only way to beat competition is with true cooperation and collaboration. And I think that really requires that requires uh, more more than just you. It requires other it requires a push to spread this, because if I can if I can follow this tangent for a minute, we are on a slippery slope to, you know, ever, ever increasing levels of destabilized uh, so- social life and ecological stability. We really have to act fast. We don't have time for something like this to, you know, gradually pick up. People use it. Oh, I like that. I think I might donate or I might volunteer. We don't have time for that. Oh, we really no. need to rapidly scale yeah. these things. I just want to interrupt. Go, go ahead. Go I ahead. Just, yeah, I can't. <laughs> no, because, it's not an interruption. Yeah, it's, a com- sorry. it's a conversation. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but I just wanted to say that in a race, like in your hurry to make it like hurry it up and take money from people and just build the community, tell them, yeah, we're doing good by doing in the community. I'm saying you're missing out on a really important power, the power of honesty. When you give back, it has a different feel, a different power to itself. So do not underestimate the power of when you just give back and have no such intentions or no hurry. You just said that we need to slow down, didn't you? When in meditation, you it's not right i mean to just grab money of people rather than give it back and let them decide whether they want to grow you or not don't be i mean we should not be just like those corporations which just want to grow even though maybe people don't want it to grow so don't, let don't be one of just grow well, I, I think actually i think you may have my intentions wrong and and i think that's part of uh, okay. communicating okay. especially yeah. with somebody you literally just met okay sorry 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 <laughs> i'm not i'm not about <laughs> any form of extraction or take more 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 now 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 it's just more that i think really the the consumer as they exist today I, I don't think there should be consumers. You know, I, I don't think we should think about ourselves as consumers. I think if we think about it as the community, I think that is a, that's maybe maybe even that's just semantics. Maybe that ends up going back to the same place. But I think building any any organization, a, a company, a company should be a group of people working together to meet their community's needs. I think that's what it should be. I mean, I think and I think in the in the interest of making this a viable model that really works for people. It is, it is always, for me, aimed at giving back, at helping, at making a difference. But I think it's, it's about what is, what is the most efficacious way to make a difference. And I think that comes in changing the structure of our society and our communities. And it takes organization to do that. So the more, the more resources are put into collective organization, I think the better. Because as it stands, I mean, and this is really, it's maybe the, the topic I am most interested in, but it's the notion of a collective awakening. And because, you know, for, for me and for you and for many people, you know, it, 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 the motivation is not Marx. It's spiritual. It's, it's, it is that motivation of wanting to give back and be a part of a living ecosystem and to not take. I wanted to add that uh, what you are all, you're talking about is, is actually a natural extension of a zero profit model in my view. So maybe you're just also maybe jumping the gun or want to like hurry up into this uh, mode which you I mean I 100% agree with you that a company is like it should be a community which serves its own needs and I just want you to see that how a zero profit model turns into such an organization I told you initially I gave you clues that if people really like the purpose they can come and serve uh, in the market to help out so that costs also decrease and it ultimately serves the purpose so this was just a hint that okay you can get people can get involved within the business how many such supermarkets exist where you know a friendly face or where you can just go and volunteer anyway my that was the first hint but i'm saying later on 
as as I uh, as the prices decrease and there's a new metric that evolves which says everyone can buy that packet but it says take one per person because of scarcity let's say and then you can tell people hey we are having a scarcity of this product and therefore we have this tag which says take one per person we don't have to have it if you just come and help us also in this and then this slowly evolves into a community company that's what is your vision and it's my vision too i completely 100 percent agree but i'm just take it slow i mean you know then they say uh, when the means are perfected, you there's no doubt that you'll reach the end. So let's not jump to the end. I think the means is, a, I mean, let's not jump to enlightenment, uh, suddenly thinking we are enlightened. There's a process to it. And it's a hard one. It's a, it's, it has to be genuine. It has to be sincere. And things will happen. So my point is, yeah, if that perspective helps you in a very spiritual path perspective, that just follow a sincere process and be as sincere as possible to it and things will happen let's not jump too ahead and have faith in this yeah thing process i would say uh one more little little uh wrap up of this little back and forth here because i i do think we're on the same page yeah, and okay. um yeah i do i i think there's one there, i have one i have one sort of continuing qualm there and that is the rapidly accelerating or decelerating stability of our ecosystem and that it's I think it's there's this contradiction that or this it's it's either a contradiction or it's just a very difficult puzzle that we need to act now we need to act rapidly and the action that we need to take is to slow down we need to rapidly slow down and that is that brings us to I think my the most important uh topic that I that I feel I'm on this earth maybe to discuss and that's the idea of a collective awakening and the uh, the prospect of looking at these people consumers community members the people in our world who are running around in a rush like chickens with their heads cut off no idea where they're going no idea what they're doing just trying to make it by just trying to put food in their stomach and and even struggling to do that as, as we all do we need to help these people out of this mentality that that monstrously constrains their ability to imagine their ability to uh, delay gratification, their ability to even consider another another option. Most people don't even think they're in a system. They they don't know what that fucking word means. We're in a system. Oh yeah, whatever. You know, it 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 doesn't make a lot of sense to people when you start talking about how this system works. They just assume that's the way it is. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it always will be because they're so wrapped up in it. So my question is, and my concern, and I think this is the function of any uh, collective shift is to work to get people to the point where they they start ascending like the, the the in meditation you know i'm sure you know this for the readers or listeners who don't there are sort of plateaus of uh, stages and states of consciousness called jhanas and the path of the buddha is to get people up through these jhanas you know and they they range from like a state of bliss to like your sense of your individual self completely dissolving into the web of everything and interconnectedness. And then finally, I mean, getting into this true state of oneness where there is no you, there's no world, it's all awareness of becoming aware of itself, that it's, it's, it's completely di distanced from every conception of what we think reality is. And I'm not thinking, I know you can't rush people to that, but I think we can at least get people to the place where they can still their mind. And I think community efforts of 
providing food and things like that, meeting people's basic needs, I think does help that tremendously. So maybe I'm, maybe I am, I'm, I'm rushing here. Maybe I'm jumping the gun, but no, I think, I, I think no, it's perfect. It's got to be a balance. What you said is perfect and is in alignment with what I'm saying also. See, yeah, as a famous monk, a philosopher that I follow or a monk, he said the stomach goes first and then the head. So what he basically meant is it is really cruel to teach philosophy to a hungry person right in the similar way as you said a lot of people don't know about a system if they are curious and once their stomachs are full and they are curious why is this business giving back money they still they have the next plateau to go to which is okay they're doing it because our lives are messed up uh, i don't know if i can use the word uh, okay our lives are messed up uh, because of uh, all these corporations every, uh, running after profit overfishing or whatever it is clearing our forests all for profit okay it's great that this store maybe i should help out the store or volunteer i don't know just form a community around the store yeah so my point is this is a model which brings both kind of people who are already aware and it also brings people who don't care just want the cheaper stuff and then makes them aware because of the curiosity which is very inherent in human nature a little abstract but i'm curious who did you say um stated the sentence uh first the stomach goes and then the head yeah, who, who said that my, i'm very curious I, because it I'm, i feel like yeah i'm a great admirer actually this is where it all starts from this guy well, I was curious as to who exactly said that because it kind of validates something I've always practiced and it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. I've always said, like I kind of have like a like a doctrine, like if you can overcome your appetite, if you can discipline yourself into a quote unquote diet, you can do anything. You know, if you can conquer your stomach, so to speak, if you can um, be mindful of what you're consuming, you can discipline yourself into accomplishing nearly anything. If you can just uh, hone in those impulses, you know, and then I've strived to do that meagerly and I still try and I still strive. Yeah, I think uh, he says, I mean, he talks about these things in other ways, because in, you know, in the Indian yogic system, food is what affects you. I mean, we know how much effect a food has on your thoughts and your energies, uh, because we strongly even believe that eating garlic kind of makes you angry and stuff. I don't know how much truth there is to it, but there is in the yogic system a belief that food is energy and it kind of uh, can, you can decide what kind of person to become. I mean, I'm going into too much of depth, but uh, this guy, I mean, whom I admire, he's called uh, Swami Vivekananda and he came to US. He was the first Indian monk to come to the US. Thank you for that tidbit. He, he rose to fame due to his speech at the Parliament of Religions, where he spoke about the harmony of religions, that we shouldn't be fighting over all this stuff, because basically everything is one. I definitely will now incorporate that into my humble attempts to uh, rise through those levels of, of So I, I, have a, I have a question for you, and this is something you said earlier. Uh, you were talking about basically like how profit in the system exists as, as it is, is wrong. And you said, we, we won't go there. I... Uh, I'm always the kind of person that wants to go there. So <laughs> let's, I'm curious to see what is your perspective on this disordered world? I mean, because it seems like you're somebody who has really, really uh, gone a long way and put a lot of work and intention and effort into cultivating a sense of, of peace and, and uh, stability and harmony. And um, what, do you, what do you see when you look at the world around you? Yeah, I think this is one of the stages that we were meant to go through. So, yeah, I think it sometimes is required for you to awaken. So I guess, I mean, there was no 
way we would directly go to a very peaceful state so i i don't know i think i just think it is perfectly as it should be and at every moment of time you have the choice because we are in this time it is our duty to do what is like meant to be and yeah i guess it was very natural of it to arrive at this stage but it is still at every moment our choice to do what it yeah has to what, what do you mean by that when you say um everything is, is supposed to be you know I, I think a lot of people would really struggle to see you know the ocean on fire and and all of canada burning and <laughs> the supreme court of the united states accepting that uh that the nestle corporation can use slaves because they're not on U.S. soil, I mean, the, the wars, the destruction, the pain, the misery, the suffering, the senselessness of it all. I think so many people look at this world and they think it's fucking meaningless. And they, they, their conclusion when they look at it is that life is meaningless. That no God, no ordered system, no higher intelligence would make this happen. It's all a mistake or even just human life is a mistake and we should die and, and you know, go back into the ocean where we came from, you know, or, or just cease to exist. Yeah. What do you say to that? So the, you're going much deeper. And if we go there, I don't know if I lose some people here. So, but at least I believe there is always good and bad and bad and good so it's always intertwined evil and good both exist it's just shifting from time to time from one place to another maybe yeah before it was somewhere else in the huge slaveries or stuff like that and now it has moved towards we all being corporate slaves or i don't know i mean it just moves around and if you go much deeper it is actually, I mean, in the philosophy of Advaita, it is all an illusion. So it is for you to understand and accept. Uh, yeah, you just need to realize that this is an illusion. And yeah, your true self is something different. I mean, there are many several paths, spiritual paths. And the, the one that we are discussing right now here is, I would say it is Karma Yoga, which means doing the right way and this is one of the spiritual paths so what you know or what you see to be right you do it and in this illusion i mean you are we are living in an illusion which we believe is reality but there is one way to get out of this illusion is karma yoga that's what we are discussing here there are other ways like the mysticism mystic path which is just sit and observe everything that is happening within you and realize that you are not you are not this changing thing because you are an observer and things inside your body everything is changing every moment so how can you be the one who is changing because you are observing something is changing so that is another path then there is a philosophical path you can just keep on reasoning all this life is meaningless which you just said that is just the halfway of it like if you maybe go on reasoning in, on that path you will realize that everything is an illusion and kind of you are, you are everything that is a long path i don't know when uh, this small argument will reach there but that is another path and then right now what interests me is my work in life right as i told you meaningful work and therefore this path of karma yoga is of real significance to me and it is through this work that i want to live a progress in this spiritual path which is kind of also yeah finds i find deep meaning and joy i relate to that deeply because i I walk that same path, you know, the path of karma, just for anyone who thinks that's an aloof word, it just means action. It's the way of action. It's the way of getting involved. 
And um, the Bhagavad Gita, one of my very, very most treasured books, is all about that. It's about enlightenment. It doesn't just come through sitting in a cave and pretending you don't exist or, or whatever people think about it. it. It's getting involved in the world and doing and playing your part. Not just because it's the right thing to do, but because that is where insight comes. Because we're all connected, because the true self, really, is, is everything. It's every living thing we encounter. That's who you are. That's us. As, as the air that you breathe in your lungs doesn't come from you, you know, it comes from the trees. You're, in, you're breathing in a little part of the, of the rest of the world outside of you. I mean, you're not just you, you're your family, you're your friends, you're your enemies, you're, you're the culture you came up in. All of us, if somebody says, oh, the world's an illusion, that's aloof. I mean, is it? I mean, we, we collectively believe that money is valuable, that, you know, uh, these nations and militaries and uh, politicians and power structures and celebrities are valuable and are powerful and rule the world. Why? Because we collectively agree that they do, not because of any true scientific or even substantial philosophical substance. So the world we're living in is a world of illusion. And I think really true to really transcend that is to get people to awaken to that. And, and that a big, big part of that is filling their stomachs. But I think even even bigger than that is that sense of service, of, of, of taking action, as all of us really just stop stop being in this position of an observer, saying, oh, the world is sucks, the world is going to end. It's Yeah, it's going to end if you don't do anything about it. But if all of us, or even enough of us, step into that path, that action, and, and throw our whole lives at it and realize, okay, this is why I'm here. I'm here to do something about it. I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to change it then we can we can change we can and it won't take it won't take time it will be fast but it, it has to be together that way of action really we need to, to go from that shift where it's one person walking that path to it's all right let me help you up you're struggling you have a heavy load let me help you carry that and i think that's our business structures need to reflect that and i think that's uh, that's essentially what you're you're trying to create yes yes and i would like to add that yes you as you said we we want to change things but there are only so many things that we can do and we sometimes feel limited, like participate in a protest or buy vegan food or buy fair trade food. I just want to provide one more option. That's, I think, my whole life duty, at least, to just create this one more option where you know you can buy this stuff or you can serve in this way. Just, just one more to this collection of things. I'm not saying mine is the single solution to this. There are multiple solutions, right? Like permaculture, like living, growing food, your own food, uh, stuff like this, like vegan movement, all this are contributing. And just I just want to be one part in this and provide an option to people who think this is a way. It's just adding to it, that's all. I hope you know that your contribution certainly is in vain. And what you're epitomizing is the uh, concept of collaboration by inputting your ideals and your visions, your proposals. You're you're proving many things. You're proving that, uh, as I'm prone to say on this show uh, quite frequently, you're you're not the only one out there that thinks these things. The people out here listening to this podcast and hearing these ideas that you have, they're not the only one thinking these things. You, you're validating the people who want to see a better world come to life. So if nothing else, you've contributed to that arm of the movement. And uh, and obviously you, you have some viable and valid uh, designs and blueprints here that I, I, I believe warrant um, further investigation and perhaps another another conversation down the road. I particularly would like to delve into some of this uh, outline here that you've sent to us. It's uh, so well put together. And I have a lot of questions about some of these titles that I'm, I'm staring at, like the uh, there's one that's called 
uh, where to go, take tags. Like I'm gonna delve into that and probably email you some questions. Uh, but I wanted to make another quick point um, and something else I'm prone to do is assign homework, quote unquote. Listening to you and Marlo talk about the, uh, the, the karmic side of our actions and our thoughts and our input into the system and whatnot, I personally have not made better or quicker progress than I did when I started thinking with that particular mindset, that karmic mindset. Like I switched over to veganism. I love yoga, fitness, you know, the whole nine yards. I love volunteering in my community and what what have you. But it wasn't until I started thinking about myself being a part of, like just being a little part of something much bigger that I really started getting passionate about these movements and these actions. Um, and to, to nail it down, basically, if you take and observe what you're going through personally, like take uh, an undesirable situation, like let's say you got laid off from your job. <clears throat> you can be upset with your employers, you can be upset with the system, and you can take that and be like, oh, poor me. Or you can be like, oh my gosh, there are millions of people experiencing the same thing I am right now. Like. It's kind of like I'm not the only one mindset, I guess. And it's hard to articulate, obviously, but for me, it is profound. I just made leaps and bounds when I started looking at it that way. And, and to this day, people still think that when I whine, per se, I'm just whining because it happened to me. But no, it's because I'm infuriated by the fact that the system is oppressing all of us. And it seems to only be so very few of us that are able to wrap our heads around it. And when we voice our concerns and our, or when we're disgruntled about it, people think we're just being whiny, we're being self-centered or whatever. But no, me personally, when I'm upset that something happened to me, it's because I know I'm not the only one that's happening to, and I want it to stop. I want the world to be a better place for everybody, not just me. So yeah, um, action homework. So when something happens to you personally, homework. stop and think about what it's like when it's happening to millions of people across the world. What is it like for them? And that's the reason that you should be doing something about it. Nikhil, what is something that you, uh, you would leave our listeners to uh, be mindful of or to, uh, to add to their thoughts in, in terms of, uh, of, a, of a mindful practice that, they can, that can help them uh, understand these ideas or maybe just see the world in a different way? It's hard because I am in a dilemma whether to talk about the spiritual aspect of it or the economic understanding that I that cleared a lot of things. Maybe that makes sense because I understood what was happening in the world just by seeing how it's all connected to money. I guess there's a, maybe one point that is coming to me is there's a limit on everything, like how much you can eat, how much how many organisms you can have in a day maybe i mean there's a limit but we created something so artificial without limit so it's not serving us and just be open to some new ways of looking at it but i guess most of your audiences <laughs> knows of this so yeah i'm really not sure sorry i couldn't contribute much no problem i think you've made some profound points now you, you're doing your part and uh, we all are <laughs> thank you what about you, Matt? Insights from this talk, actions going forward. 
No, I, I like it. I like the model and I think it's really cool. I mean, it, to me, it sounds very similar to, uh, you know, producer, I mean, not producer, uh, consumer cooperatives, as well as, uh, you know, possibly some similarities to that uh, fair share model like we were talking about. Um, but I think it's a step in the right direction. You know, I mean, and like we were saying earlier, it's kind of, you know, this is a business model. This isn't really like a, a, a you know, a whole societal plan or outlay. I mean, this is just, this is one piece, one, one part of a puzzle, you know, in a much larger puzzle and many other puzzles that we're all trying to figure out here but but i think he's definitely going in the right direction um you know it reminds me of like dan price you know things like that the ceo of gravity payments too you know he's uh given all of his employees now a seventy thousand uh, dollar minimum wage you know and um the the environment being stewards for the environment and all that and i think this is a step in the right direction for sure uh you know it's it's hard to say exactly you know if, if everything in, it, in the whole design works perfectly without being an economist and sitting down and, and, you know, really hashing through all the details. But I like it. I like I like the general concept of it. And I think, uh, you know, especially especially people with a with a in a good mindset that could work really well for sure. And in, in the right cir- circumstances. So so again, thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you for reaching out to us. Um, we're all excited, I think, like I said, to continue delving into this blueprint you've provided and uh, continue to build a relationship with you and see where all this goes. Um, if nothing else, see how you're doing later on uh, uh, and perhaps, you know, a few episodes down the road. Um, and I just want the listeners to know, of course, we will provide links in the description to Nikhil's blueprint and some of his writings and definitely a link to uh, what he was describing earlier with the kind lady who uh, I believe you said cooks the food for one rupee and I thought that was a beautiful story one rupee is 1.3 cents I looked that up just for reference <laughs> so hey, you can get you a know, meal right? for one, one point, <laughs> 1.3 cents I gotta say that lady is she's doing something wow. right right you couldn't get a drop of water in America for 1.3 cents. That's that's phenomenal. But yeah, so thank you for listening as always. Um, I, I'm speaking to our listeners, obviously. Uh, for more on this concept, go back to episode five uh, and listen to um, our guest, uh, Robert Shields, as well. And, um, and keep listening because it's just going to get better from here. I think for me, kind of a clo- the closing point, and it, it's, a, it's actually a point of, of perhaps uh, wariness, uh, with all these plans and models and potentials is that nothing is is independent in of itself and no proposed solution that does not uh, incorporate you know continually connective growth and fostering of true interdependence is going to be able to compete so I think one, if, if, I, if I had to leave the listener with one thing, it would just be to question your own mind and your own drives. What is driving you? Are you driven by cost, benefit analysis, and the desire to create a profit or just make money? Catch yourself in that shit. We do it every day, you know? We're greedy. We have greed baked into us because it's an incentive. It's a survival mechanism. But it's not who we are. It's not necessary. And it's actually holding us back tremendously. And for anybody who is working on models like this, and you know, to you, Nikhil, this would be my nudge or push to keep keep drawing, keep growing, keep thinking, and and uh, and to anybody out there who is who has the the guts and the audacity to uh, attempt to rethink society. I think really it, it all comes down to bringing us all back together, and and any any proposed solution 
just the one that's going to work is the one that gets the most people together i think it's all about going switching from seeing you know my business is separate or my consumer choice is separate or me as a consumer or person or actor or or business person as separate from anything it's 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 shifting into seeing us all as a, a system a living system and that's not how our economic system functions today and shifting that is the big pivot for all of us and the prayer goes lord i do not want wealth nor children nor learning if it be thy will i shall go from birth to birth but grant me this that i may love thee without the hope of reward love unselfishly for love's sake come up o lions and shake off the delusion that you are sheep you are souls immortal spirits free blessed and eternal ye are not matter ye are not bodies matter is your servant not you the servant of matter i just want to give a special shout out to our patreon subscribers uh, I just can't say how uh, humbled and grateful I am to be able to receive your support and to know that people are uh, resounding with our message that what we're doing and working on and creating and saying is important and is valid and is valued by you. So I really appreciate it and uh, just know that the more donations we get, the more of this work we can do, the further we can take it, the more we can bring in more people and spread this message further and further and make it real, you know, start really creating our own systems. So, so please visit our Patreon and just know all of it is going to these shows and this work and the mission, the message, the quest, the impossible dream that we can make our own world.